Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast, an emergency edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. Still brought to you, of course, by the fine folks at Alumni Hall. Make sure to stop in today for all your Georgia gear and accessory needs inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center or online at alumnihall.com. You won't find a better selection of Georgia gear anywhere on earth, so make sure to do yourself a solid and check it out today. But yes, this is an emergency edition of the Glory UGA podcast We don't do these often, but every now and then, breaking news around the Georgia football program necessitates that we do so. So this is one of those cases I was not planning on coming on and recording today. In fact, I had to get out of here in about half an hour or so to head to Stegman Coliseum to take in the Georgia LSU basketball game. So I'm going to try to get this in as quickly as I can so I can make sure I get to the game on time. But I, I had to. I feel like I had to come on here and discuss the most recent headline news around the Georgia program, which, of course, you all know this by now. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Todd Munkin has accepted the Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator job. It's official now. It's official. We know there's been smoke around it for a month plus now, even going back last year, more than a year, really, going back to the Bucks potentially last year. But it's been pretty obvious that Munkin wanted to get back in the NFL. I think really more than anything, it just comes down to the schedule. Now, the college coaching schedule is brutal, guys. It's really, really difficult with year-round recruiting, hosting guys on visits, even when like you're not out on the road. Every weekend, you've got guys come to campus. You've got to be there. You got to walk them through film. You got to meet families, glad hand people. You got to call people on the phone. It's a it's a year round thing. It truly never stops. Now the NFL is still a really demanding job being an offense coordinator in the NFL. Of course it is, but it's a different kind of demanding job. And there's more off time in the NFL. It's less of a grind than it is for college coaches. That's just reality. So I knew that we were holding on to Todd Munkin on borrowed time. I knew it was just a matter of time before he found the right job, before someone pulled the trigger on him at the NFL level, because the guy kept interviewing. I mean, if if he's not interested in going to the NFL, going back to the NFL, why does he continue to interview for all these jobs? Of course, that's where he was looking. Of course, that's where he ultimately wanted to get back to. And I understand it, man. I, I have nothing but gratitude and positive vibes to send Todd Munkin's way. I do not begrudge him at all, man. Do what's do what you got to do. And I think the NFL is something that at this stage in his career, at this point in his life, that that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's accomplished 
all that you could imagine to accomplish at the University of Georgia. So I, I am grateful, very grateful for the three years that we got. And I do not begrudge him one bit. But Todd Munkin is out. Mike Bobo is in. And we talked about this, what, a couple of weeks ago when news was really picking up regarding, at that time, Todd Munkin and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I came on here and addressed those rumors and all the, all the reports that we were hearing, and I even kind of speculated as to who might be in line to take that job. Would it be Mike Bobo? Were there potential other candidates out there? I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, we had a mailbag question on that last week. If it's not Mike Bobo, who are the candidates that you would look at? And I gave you guys a couple names, whether it's Andy Ludwig uh, over at Utah, whether it's Jeff Grimes at Baylor. I was even thinking potentially Josh Gaddis, who just got fired from Miami, but had a lot of success at Michigan. He runs a similar style offense to what Todd Munkin has, using a lot of 12, 13 personnel, which is obviously something that we want to do with the tight end group that we have. So there were a couple of names out there, but I felt deep down it was going to be... Mike Bobo. I mean, as far as I was concerned, it, it was kind of a, a foregone conclusion. I say that because I know that Mike Bobo, I know I'm pretty good authority that Mike Bobo has had not one, but multiple opportunities to take really good jobs as an offensive coordinator elsewhere after this season. In fact, going back to last year when he came on staff as, as a quality control guy with us, I mean, he had opportunities to be offensive coordinator and other, at other jobs last year. I felt very strongly, knowing his relationship with Kirby and how he came in here and worked with Todd Munkin, and also how Todd Munkin talked about him. I mean, we know that Todd doesn't give a lot of interviews. Kirby doesn't let the, the DCs and the OCs give interviews unless it's the, the playoffs and the preseason. But when he was given a chance to get in front of the microphone, I mean, unsolicited, he directly brought up Mike Bobo and gave him a lot of credit in a lot of different ways. So I thought it was pretty clear from a bunch of different angles that Mike Bobo was sticking around on staff because... Kirby kind of knew. Kirby had an inkling. He knows that Todd was looking at NFL jobs last year, didn't get one. I'm sure he and Munkin had some communication. I mean, when you're in the grind of the season, like you're focused on those things, but there was probably some communication there. And Bobo's, I'm sure, talking to Kirby about his future. And Kirby's like, hey, look, you know, there's a good chance Todd's looking around to stick it out here. And there's a really, really good opportunity here for you to potentially step in as offensive coordinator. So I think that's probably how it went down, especially once Buster Faulkner took the offensive coordinator job at Georgia Tech. I mean, hey, I don't know how it would have played out. Maybe Bobo would have got gotten that job anyway if Munkin moved on even if Buster Faulkner was still here but Buster put in the time and he was kind of he was kind of doing the apprentice thing under Todd Munkin and he he tried to bide his time and wait and wait and then he got a, a decent offer from Georgia Tech and went ahead and took that job I wonder if he's kind of like kicking himself right now like dude if I just would have waited one more year I could have had that Georgia job which I mean let's let's be real guys it's a it, it's not even the same stratosphere when it comes to like what kind of job that that is compared to the tech job so I don't know I mean that that sucks for Buster but hey he's got a nice job he's making some money good for him but with Buster out of the picture I felt Mike Bobo was almost a shoe-in but anyway let's not bury the lead any longer I know you guys have tuned in here to get my take on this hire what I think about it and look, guys, I could be very wrong here. You know, you get some things right, you get some things wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I think this was the right hire. I feel strongly that this was the right hire. I know there are a ton of other good candidates out there, and I would like to think that Kirby you know, considered different candidates out there and, and thought about these things, but settled on Mike Bobo as the best guy for this job. And look, I will defend that position here momentarily. But I want to start with the haters. All right. I know you're out there. I know there are people that do not think all that highly of Mike Bobo and are not excited about this job. In fact, I put out 
a Twitter poll earlier today when the news hit. And I mean, we still got some time for people to vote on this, but as of right now, we had four options. So the options were like, okay, how do you feel about Mike Bobo's promotion? Option A was, I'm freaking pumped. Option two is, I think I like it. Option three was, eh, it's fine. Option four was, it's an absolute disaster. Now, I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised because, you know, I, I hear it from a lot of people that do not like Mike Bobo. Sometimes that's just the vocal minority and it appears to be the case. Now, this is a very unscientific poll. It's just one little Twitter poll here. But only 8% of the respondents said that it was an absolute disaster, which kind of surprised me. I thought that might be closer to like 15 to 20%. Only 8% as of right now could change. But as of right now, it's in the 8%. Um, almost 50% right now are of the mind that they think they like it. About, let's see, what about a fifth of the people, so 21, about 21%, so a fifth to a quarter of, of respondents said they were freaking pumped, and then exactly a quarter, 25%, said, eh, it's fine. So there's a smattering of different opinions out there. I do know there are a lot of people that are of the eh, it's fine mentality, which is basically looking at it as, oh, it's, you know, it's whatever. It's not like a disaster hire, but it's kind of uninspiring as Kirby just promoting his buddy. And I don't know if it's the best guy that we could have gotten. I know there are a lot of people out there that feel that way because I hear from them and I respect that. I really do. I disagree. Personally, I disagree, but I can still respect that opinion. But I do want to address the haters. I want to address those people that are um, strongly opposed to this hire or, or unsure how to feel about it. And I, I want to do that by looking at some of the arguments that I have seen put out there. So the arguments that people have have directed towards me with uh, with their criticisms of Mike Bobo. The most common criticism I see relates to his past three jobs since he left Georgia, right? So he left Georgia, 2014 was his last season, goes to Colorado State as a head coach, lasts there for what, four or five years? It goes from 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, so five years as the head coach at Colorado State. Ultimately did not work out there, got fired, goes to South Carolina, has to move on, um, after one year at that job during the COVID year with Will Muschamp, that goes to Auburn, did not work out with Brian Harson, leaves after one year and comes to comes to Georgia as a quality control guy. So I know you can look at that resume on the surface and be like, man, like this guy's been a disaster everywhere but Georgia. And that was that was a long time ago. That was back in like 2014. Okay. Fair, maybe, kinda, sorta, but also not really. I think you have to look at the context here. I think just to sit here and say, well, I mean, this is a terrible hire. He was fired from his last three jobs. I think that's, I mean, that's true. I mean, technically it's true, but I also think that's a lazy take. I, I think that's willfully ignoring context. That's what I think it is. I think if you like even make the slightest bit of effort to peel back the layers and look ever so below the surface, you would see there, there's there's some context there, all right? And I know people say, well, dude, you're just making excuses for him. I'm really not trying to, guys. I'm, I am I do like the hire, but I'm trying to explain to you why I think the criticism of him at Colorado State, the criticism of him at South Carolina and Auburn, which is that is the main criticism that I have gotten from people, why I don't really buy that. Let's start with Colorado State. Well, yes, he obviously had a hand in, in the play calling in the offense. That's what got him that job. But it is 100% revisionist history to go back to his time at Colorado State and try to say that he was a that the offenses were a failure. That was not the problem, okay? Defensively, that was the problem for them. Yeah, it didn't work out. But here's the thing: we're not asking Mike Bobo to come here and be our head coach. We're asking Mike Bobo to come here and be our offensive coordinator, to call plays, to produce points. That's what we're asking him to do. And at Colorado State, they did that. They did that very well. 
And when he took that job at Colorado State, they they were coming off the best season in program history, essentially under Jim McElwain. I think they they won played. I think they won the Las Vegas Bowl, but it was a really great year for Colorado State. But when Bobo gets there a year later, they have a brand new quarterback. They lose their quarterback, who who was awesome for them that year. They lose D. Hart, who was a transfer from Alabama, who was almost a 1,300 yard rusher that season. They did return their top receiver, but that's without their top running back, without the, the quarterback from the year before. And he had to kind of put that back together and had a really good year in his first year on the job there at Colorado State trying to call the plays. If you look at their numbers, yeah, they did drop a little bit from 2014, but when you lose that kind of talent, I mean, it's Colorado State. You don't really recruit all that well, and it's not like you just plug and play at Colorado State, but his first year in the job, they they were 425, 426 yards a game, right at about six yards per play. Not elite, but also it's year one with a lot of new players, okay? Well, let's fast forward to 2016. In 2016, they moved all the way up to the top 30 nationally, 462 yards a game, 6.7 yards per play go to year three, right? You think year three, they should be gaining some momentum offensively. This is what Mike Bobo does. He's an offensive guy. You got three years in the system. You've got some players there. Well, what happened in year three? They go to fringe top 10 nationally. Number 11 nationally in total offense, 492.5 yards per game. That happened in three years. Now, he did kind of have things drop off towards the end. That definitely happened. Their offensive offenses took a step back the last couple of years, but you, uh, here's more context. Mike Bobo had a major, major health situation, guys, those last two years. The dude wasn't even on the sidelines during games. He was up in the box as a head coach. He couldn't really walk at practice. He had major, major, major health issues. In fact, there was a, there was a time there where it was like he might have to resign because he can't really do his job. That severely affected him. And I'm not saying that accounts for everything, but it's absolutely putting your head in the sand if you sit here and say it didn't account for some part of the drop off there because they were hitting they were kind of getting some momentum going in 27 after 2017 when that big offensive year defensively was still a problem for them but again the fact stands their offenses were good at Colorado State under Mike Bobo now it didn't work out as head coach but we're not asking the man to do that we got that taken care of we got the best in the business in Kirby Smart we're asking the guy to put together elite offenses and he's done that it's on his resume he has done that but he gets fired from Colorado State. Where does he go? He goes to South Carolina, teams up with old buddy Will Muschamp. And yes, it did not work out there. He he got fired after one year, had to move on. But there's context once again. By the way, that was the COVID year where there was zero spring practice. A new offensive coordinator putting in a new system with no spring practice to work with, very little communication with your players. You can't see them work out because they're not on campus. Then you get a fall camp, and it's a very abbreviated fall camp. And then the head coach gets fired midway through the season, and now you're elevated to the interim head coach job. And so now you've got all these different things going on. You're still trying to call plays, and you have all these guys opting out. I mean, guys with South Carolina, once Muschamp was fired and let go, remember when we played them in Columbia? I remember I was there. It was a very eerie environment, but I was there. They had an insane number of opt-outs. So why would those guys not opt out? So the dude was working with not even half a deck, like a tenth of a deck. But the whole staff gets fired because the head coach got fired. But Bobo lands on his feet, gets a job at Auburn as offense coordinator under first-year head coach Brian Harson. I hate to see a Georgia guy have to go to Auburn like that, but, you know, it is what it is. We were rolling, you know, no big deal, whatever. And I know it didn't work out there at Auburn. But, again, let's look at the context here. It was a very, very tense situation from the get-go. Brian Harson is an offensive guy. He hires 
Mike Bobo, who he has never worked with before. He brought Mike Bobo in because he knows the Southeast, right? He can recruit. And that, that was the knock on Brian Harson is that he had no ties to Southeast. How is he going to be able to recruit and get the kind of players you need to compete for, for championships at Auburn if he doesn't have any connections? So who do you go get? You go get Mike Bobo, who's got a lot of connections in, in the Southeast and Georgia especially, and he's coaching the SEC. He knows his way around. And you think, okay, that's, good. that's a good hire. Problem was, they didn't see eye-to-eye philosophically. And that's a problem when the head coach, who is an offensive guy, and your offensive coordinator are on different wavelengths about what the offense should look like. And the offensive coordinator is not going to win that battle because at the end of the day, he's not the head man, all right? It's not his program. He's working for the head man. That's his boss, right? So Brian Harson had an, had certainly an influence on what the offense looked like. So if you want to judge Mike Bobo and what happened to Auburn, I mean, I can't stop you. More power too. You guys can do what you want to do. But to sit there and think that was 100% all Mike Bobo and that Brian Harson had no influence on what was going on behind the scenes and what was going into game plans, I think, again, once again, you're, you're, you're putting your head in the sand and you're willfully ignoring the context. So that's how I would answer the whole argument that, hey, he hasn't had any success since he left Georgia in 2014. In fact, he's been a failure everywhere he's been. I mean, technically, yeah, he got fired, but I just think it's lazy to sit here and say, oh, well, he got fired from all those places because he just sucks. Like, he just can't coach offenses. He's not a good coordinator. I think what happened is a lot of people early in Bobo's tenure as offense coordinator of Georgia back in 07 when he first got that that coordinator job and was promoted, people developed opinions about him, very entrenched opinions about him, and are looking for any bit of evidence to support those opinions that have never changed over time. And look, I, I'll be the first to admit, when he first got that job, Bobo was learning on the job. I mean, there, there were some years where I think he certainly needed to improve situational play calling, you know, 07, 08, 09, even, even at times in 2010. I don't think he was always an elite offensive coordinator, but I do think he grew into that by the time he left Georgia. And unfortunately, there are some people out there who just have a very fixed mindset. They are stuck on that first impression of Mike Bubba. They made all the way back, you know, 15 or so years ago. And look, I know first impressions they weigh an outsized amount, right? I understand that. Like, there's a reason why people say you can only make a first impression once, right? I understand that. But you also have to look at context. You have to be willing to look at evidence to suggest, huh, maybe that first impression wasn't 100% accurate. Maybe it was right at the time, but maybe the guy's gotten better. Maybe he's evolved. Maybe he's grown. Maybe he's improved because I think that is what has happened with Mike Bobo. But there's one more criticism I want to address. I've seen this from a couple people. I think my Bobo is an outstanding recruiter. I, I think the evidence is out there is abundant. But there are people out there that like to point out that he missed on Deshaun Watson. And I, I get that. Yeah, I mean, that was a miss. That was an outright miss. Now, what happened there is that we did not target Deshaun Watson early enough out of Gainesville High School. And that's on Bobo. He's, he was offensive coordinator. He was the, the quarterback coach as well. And he went with Bryce Ramsey and we know how that worked out. I mean, dear God, Bryce Ramsey never really, never, never started a game for us, right? As far as I remember, never started one. And then, I mean, like we know what Deshaun went, Watson went out, wouldn't turn out to be at the college level. And we also know what he went and turned out to be right now in the NFL, but Hey, you know, it's neither here nor there, but the college level, the guy was a lead. They won national championships at, at Clemson, at least one national championship with him, right? Did they went to, I think one with him played for another and lost that one. But like that, that was a miss. I'm not going to sit here and defend that. Like I was very frustrated at the time. I'm still frustrated about that. That was right in our backyard and we should have identified him earlier. We dropped the ball on that one. It wasn't only Mike Bobo there, but I mean, he certainly bears a lot of culpability in that. And I do think that is a fair criticism, but that is one example. Now it's a glaring example, 
yes, it is. I'm not going to dispute that, but that is one example. So if you're going to sit here and say that example completely disqualifies him from being the offense coordinator of Georgia, and that means that he's not going to be able to continue the momentum of our offense under Todd Munkin and that he cannot produce at an elite level with the players that he's going to have, I just strongly disagree. Yeah, he messed up. That that sucked, you know, mistake. But he also did a lot of really good things at Georgia while he was here too. So I wanted to address that because I've heard that from a couple of people and seen that a couple different places. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. But now I want to talk about why I like the Mike Bobo hire, why I am 100% on board this. And I want to start by going back to his last three years here at Georgia as the offensive coordinator because Mike Bobo produced the three best offenses in Georgia history prior to Todd Munkin taking that job. I guess you could maybe possibly argue the 2018 offense. It was certainly right there, but the four best offenses in Georgia history from a statistical production standpoint prior to Todd Munkin's arrival, really prior to the last two years, so 2020 wasn't a great year in Todd Munkin's first year. Now, that was COVID, obviously, but... You know, go back and look at Mike Bobo's 2012, 2013, 2014. Look at 2018 with Jim Chaney. Those are the four best offenses from a production standpoint in Georgia history prior to Todd Munkin's arrival. I said a couple weeks ago, I'll say it again. I want to remind you guys out there in 2012, I know people look at 2014 because that was the year with Hudson Mason at, at quarterback that we scored 40. 40- 1.3 points per game, which is the most points per game in a single season in Georgia history. Yes, that was slightly more than we scored this year. We scored 41.1 points per game this year. Well, that's not too shabby, right? I mean, I think that's offensive production, right? And let's go back to 2012. I know a lot of people look at the 2014 offense because we scored so many points that year and say that was the best offense um, in Georgia history. And that was Mike Bobo's best offense. And, and maybe, maybe, I mean, you can make the argument. I think the 2012 offense was better because The 2012 offense, let me remind you guys, I told you guys this last week, we were number one nationally in yards per play offensively in 2012. Number one nationally. Aaron Murray, as quarterback that season, averaged 10.1 yards per attempt. 
which is slightly more than Stetson averaged in 2021. We averaged 10 yards per attempt. Stetson averaged 9.1 yards per attempt this year. So this idea that, you know, he's just an old school, antiquated, run the ball down your throat and not really attack the field. And it's just an old school pro style offense. That could not be further from the truth. It's just not accurate, guys. Yes, sure. It was in 2007, in 2008, in 2009, but everyone back then was still running the I formation. Alabama was still running the I formation back then. That's what college football still was at that point. We've had a dramatic offensive evolution over the past decade, and Mike Bobo has not been left behind. He has stayed up to date with that. Those offenses under Aaron Murray in 2012 and 2013, and even Hudson freaking Mason in 2014, were throwing the ball over the field. But we did it in the way that Kirby Smart wants our offense to be run. And that's one of my points here is not only has Bobo produced at an elite level in the SEC, but he did it with lesser talent than we have on hand right now. And he also runs a system that Kirby wants us to run. He runs a system that our program's identity has been built on, a tough physical downhill rushing attack that was not afraid to also push the ball vertically down the field off of play action. That's what he does. It is a perfect fit for what Kirby Smart wants. It's what Todd Munkin's been running, guys. I know Todd Munkin is an outstanding play caller. He dials up stuff, gets guys wide open. He schemes things up fantastically. Todd Munkin is the best offensive coordinator that we have ever had. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Mike Bobo is better than Todd Munkin. I do not believe that he is. But to think that there's going to be a massive drop-off? I just don't see it. I simply do not see it. They run very similar styles. He's had a year working with Todd Munkin now. Todd Munkin himself, unsolicited, gave the guy credit when he didn't have to for calling touchdown passes and doing stuff behind the scenes that people aren't seeing. Mike Bobo is the right guy for this job. Here's another reason why I think Mike Bobo is the right guy for this job at this time. There's a lot of continuity within our program, and him staying is going to be something that allows that to continue, which I do think has been a big part of our success. Of course, coaches are going to come and go. We've had coaches come and go. That's going to happen, but you want to keep as many of those guys as you can for as long as you can for continuity's sake. Mike Bobo knows this system. He's going to merge a lot of what Todd Munkin did, what he's done traditionally. You can keep the verbiage very similar, which makes for an easy transition because guys, like if you want to go for this three-peat, like we have the pieces. We have the pieces. We don't want to have to have somebody come in here and have a wholesale change of our offense and guys are learning on the fly and aren't really all that comfortable with the system. Not as comfortable as they would be if you don't really skip a beat with a guy who runs a very similar system and can keep a lot of the same language and verbiage and concepts and schemes within your concept. Here's another thought too, guys. Mike Bobo, from a coaching standpoint, has coached with every single one of the coaches on our offensive staff with the exception of Del McGee. He coached with Stacey Searles of Georgia. He coached with Brian McClendon. Todd Hartley was not an on-field coach when Bobo was here. He was behind the scenes as a recruiting guy, but there's a relationship there. So when you have those built-in working relationships, that helps keep this train running. Because guys, we have built a runaway freight train. At this point, you just want to keep from derailing it. I really don't think that Mike Bobo represents any, any significant alteration or change from Todd Munkin. I really don't. Now, Todd Munkin has has the hardware. He's, he's been more proven. Sure, I understand that. But from a schematic standpoint, from a fit standpoint, it's very similar. So you don't want to rock the boat any more than you have to when the train is rolling like it is. And if you bring somebody else in, it's going to be hard to bring an office coordinator and say, hey, you have to keep every one of these position coaches. 
especially if you hire somebody from the NFL, if you try bringing somebody in from the NFL, they're going to want to bring a lot of their own guys, especially the ones that are, are the guys that you would want, that you'd be happy with. I don't want to get rid of Todd Hartley. I don't want to get rid of Del McGee. I think Stacey Searles did a fantastic job this year. I don't want to get rid of him. I love BMAC. I think we're finally starting to get some some traction on the recruiting trail, some momentum on the recruiting trail at the wide receiver position. You don't want to derail that. I want to keep all those guys. Mike Bobo makes that possible, and he also has a really good working relationship with all of these guys. Plus, institutionally, he knows University of Georgia. He knows all the power players. He knows how things work. It's just a seamless fit. And honestly, guys, what are the realistic alternatives at this point? Like I, I, The names that I threw out there, the names that I've heard, guys like Andy Ludwig at Utah, who's worked in the SEC at Vanderbilt, who runs a, a, a system, a style that, that Kirby likes and is kind of similar to our identity. He's never produced an offense the caliber of the best offenses my Bobo's produced. He simply hasn't. He, he he has not. Now, I know he hasn't had all this, the same level of talent at Utah, but he's had some good players. I mean, Cam Risen's going to be an NFL guy. You, you You've had Zach Moss there. Tyler Huntley, who's now in the NFL, they've had some players there. Jeff Grimes, another guy from Baylor, who at Baylor he hasn't produced anything like that. Now, when he had Zach Wilson at BYU with a joke of a schedule back in in 2020 in the COVID year, he produced an elite offense, 7.84 yards per play, 522 yards. But at BYU or at Baylor, he hasn't come close to touching the numbers that Mike Bobo has. When you know when you talk about putting you actually in a Power Five conference. Those guys' resumes are no better than Mike Bobo. In fact, I would say they aren't as good as Mike Bobo's resume. And who are you going to go get from the NFL? Like Todd Munkin was a guy that had a college background and, and he wasn't calling plays at, at Cleveland when, when we hired him. He was at Tampa. He went to Cleveland, wasn't actually calling plays. So we were able to make that work. That's that's not always going to be the case. I mean, who are the guys out there in the NFL? Like, who are the big name guys that we're going to go get right now and pull them from the NFL and say, hey, now you're going to have to do a lot of extra work recruiting, doing all that. So I just don't know who the alternatives were. I'm sure you guys can throw a name out there, and that's fine. But like, is it really a better fit? Whoever you want to throw out there, was it really a better fit than Mike Bobo? Alignment is a big deal. Alignment in the business world, alignment in whatever walk of life, that's a big deal. And we have that. We have that with Mike Bobo and Kirby Smart and the rest of our offensive staff. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And then there's one area where I think that Mike Bobo actually represents an improvement over Todd Munkin, and that's recruiting. I don't think that's even remotely debatable. Like, that's just, that's just fact. Mike Bobo is an elite recruiter. Was an elite recruiter for us here at Georgia for a long time. I mentioned on the episode a couple of weeks ago, like when we went and got Malcolm Mitchell and Jay Rome from Valdosta, he beat Kirby Smart head to head for those guys. Kirby wanted them badly and Bobo went in there and took those guys. I mean, 
that's just one example, but Bobo is a big time recruiter, guys. I know you can say the Deshaun Watson thing. That wasn't like, okay, I, I can't land a guy. That I, he just missed on the evaluation and didn't identify him fast enough. That was a mistake. Again, I'll go back. I can't defend that. That was a mistake. But this guy, I would say Kirby Smart's the most connected coach in college football in the state of Georgia. I would I would make a pretty strong argument that Mike Bobo might be the second most connected coach in the state of Georgia. I really believe that this guy has connections all over the state, especially in South Georgia. And not only is he a great recruiter, he's a willing recruiter, which Todd Munkin, uh, he did what he had to do, but it was kind of reluctantly. Like, that's just not what he wanted to do. That's why he's going back to the NFL. That's a big part of it. Bobo's a willing recruiter, guys. He's done this for a long time. It's what the man does. And anytime you have a coaching change like this, I've had a couple of questions from some people today on social media, like, what does this do for our 2024 recruiting class and the guys that we have coming on the offensive side of the ball? Does this put us behind the eight ball for a lot of these guys? Well, I understand the question, right? Because they were thinking Todd Muggins, the offensive coordinator, he's produced some elite offenses. They wanted to be coached by him and get put in the league like he's putting some guys in the league now. I, I, I get that question. It's a very good question. But hiring Mike Bobo mitigates that, mitigates loss. Now, I'm not saying that Mike Bobo is going to be viewed the same way by recruits as Todd Munkin. Of course, he's not. He's not the guy who actually was the coordinator of these national championship teams, but he's also been on staff for a year. He has relationships with these guys. As a quality control guy, when they're on campus, you can visit with them. You can talk with them. You can call them. If they, Well, you can talk to them on the phone if they call you. Like There's, there's different ways. You can't make visits. You can't go actually go out to schools and visit these guys, but you can build relationships with them and their families. So if you keep my Bobo around, that keeps at least some familiarity within the coaching staff at the offensive scoring position. And I think that mitigates to a large degree the loss of Todd Munkin because these players, they know Mike Bobo, they respect Mike Bobo, and their families have relationships with him, which is huge. Again, yet another reason why I think Mike Bobo is the right hire for this job at this time. And guys, if you disagree with me, that's totally cool. Have your own opinions. Be your own man. I got no problem with that. But if you don't want to buy my opinion, which is totally fine, Listen to the guys that played for him. Listen to Aaron Murray talk about him. He had a lot of things to say about him on social media today. I've heard him talk about Mike Bobo in the past many times. Listen to what Matthew Stafford has said about Mike Bobo in the past. These guys have nothing but glowing things to say about him. And these are guys that know the game of football far more than I do, right? Far more than any of us out there because they play this at, they played it at the highest level. We haven't done that. I study the game of football. I try to be a student in the game, but not to that level, right? These guys know what they're talking about. And it also, what they say backs up what I've seen with my own two eyes when I, I was studying film because, you know, Mike Bobo is a guy that the last couple of years, I was, I love Mike Bobo. I know a lot of people didn't. Uh, I was very, ups- I was sad to see him go, especially once you saw he was replaced with, with Brian Schottenheimer. But I mean, I have a lot of respect for Mike Bobo. I always have, I always felt when you watch his offenses, you, you it's kind of offensive. you have to like, pause it, rewind, and watch them. So see, oh, I see what he's doing there. And you see some innovative things. And, that, and that's what drives me crazy. Sometimes I feel like I live in an alternate reality from some people who just hate Mike Bobo. I was like, did we watch the same offenses? Did we watch the same Georgia team? Did we see the same level of production? Because I just, I don't understand how you can see those last three years here in Athens and say, wow, Mike Bobo is not a good hire. Man, what, what an uninspiring hire. I just don't understand. Those are the best offenses in Georgia history prior to Todd Munkin's arrival. And no, maybe he's not Todd Munkin, but I don't think it's going to be that dramatic of a drop-off. And think about this, guys. If he was able to produce the number one offense in the country in yards per play back in 2012 with a with, with Aaron Murray, um, a junior Aaron Murray who was a fan, I mean, just a fantastic quarterback. I just absolutely loved Aaron Murray. But you got guys like Michael Bennett. You got guys like Chris Conley. Good receivers, but I mean, 
elite guys? I mean, there's no Brock Bowers. I mean, sure, there's Artie Lynch, but I mean, <laughs> there's no Brock Bowers. I mean, there's no Oscar Delp. We didn't have the offensive line that we have now. We didn't recruit anywhere near the level that we recruit right now. And yeah, I know in 2014, we had Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley. Let's not forget, Todd Gurley missed about half that season. And you also had Hudson freaking Mason at quarterback, guys. And he produced the highest scoring offense in Georgia history for a single season. If he was able to do that and be that productive offensively with those players, you're telling me there's going to be a drop-off with this group of players that we have now, the way that we've been recruiting? So if he led the country in 2012 in yards for play, scored over 41 points per game, the most in Georgia history in 2014, with those players, and also at a time in college history where we hadn't quite seen this full offensive evolution that we've seen now with RPOs and tempo. So he didn't have any of that he could work with. So you're telling me he was that productive with those offenses in that context, and he can't be at least as productive at Georgia now with all the players in the, in the offensive evolution that we've seen? Over the last couple of years, he can't be at least as productive. Because if he's as productive as he was his last three years here at Georgia, we are going to have an elite offense. I would venture to say he's going to be even more productive with the guys that he has at his disposal now. I would venture to say that we're going to see the best version of Mike Bobo that we have ever seen. And for my money, this guy has already proven that he can be an elite offensive coordinator. If we're going to see the best version of that, sign me up all day long. And take receipts, guys. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. You know where to find me. I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I got a feeling that my Bobo is going to do a hell of a job and make a believer out of a lot of people out there. But all right, guys, I got to get out of here. I got to go catch this game. But thank you for listening here. I appreciate it. I wanted to make sure to jump on here and give you guys my thoughts. I'm sure I missed something. So if there's any questions that you guys have, please feel free to hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. Email us at podcast at gmail.com. And we will try to answer any and all questions that you have that we didn't cover today. Again, I'm sure I missed something. I know I'm going fast here. Got to get to this basketball game. But appreciate you guys. I'm excited. I don't want to tell you how to feel. I'm just telling you how I feel. I hope if you're not excited about it, at least be open-minded and just and just try to think about some of the things that I said here. I'm not saying you got to listen to everything I said, but just just try to, to look at the big picture. I think if you do, you, you might end up liking this hire a little bit more than maybe you did at the jump when you first heard about it. But all right, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you for being here. I'm Tyler. As always, go dogs. <laughs>